You're listening to episode 32 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Uh, so as you can see, the five of us. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Some of us have Wonder Woman fever. Uh, oh, what's that? <laughs> I don't know. If it's anything like the movie, I want it. <laughs> that could be taken many ways. Uh, so we've seen Wonder Woman uh, recently. Today is actually Wonder Woman Day. Today, the day that we are recording this, uh, June third. It is June third, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, okay. See, yeah. I, I I know the day of, <laughs> of the month. Well, lis- listeners have been very critical, saying Sean really doesn't know what calendars are like. They've been saying I, that. I don't know uh, what calendars are like. I don't read comic books. A lot of things that I'm lacking on in the information department. You would not believe the amount of comments I get that are just like, would someone just tell Sean what day it is? Can't you just like put it in post or something? Like... <laughs> It's the worst. <laughs> well, you see, the problem with that is Sean doesn't have a smartphone, so how would he even look at it? That's actually true. But so he's perpetually stuck in 1998. Yeah. That'd be cool. Would it, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. What happened in 1998? Nothing great. Well, you bought your Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the movie actually came out in 1998, <laughs> I think. I meant I was like making a joke about not having a context about like actual historical events, but I think the movie Pearl Harbor came out in 1998. Right. That's, that's why I laughed. That's crazy. <laughs> Sounds like it could be right. Yeah. Sean, are you an above average male? <sighs> yes. <laughs> hey so, Rebecca, write in. Tell us what you. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who don't know, we are actually in Philadelphia right now. We are recording this episode. From Phil's live basement. from Phil's basement. There you go. <laughs> uh, and it's been a blast. We're here for Wizard World Philly, which we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff here, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences at Wizard World Philly because we've done a lot of really cool stuff. We've gotten a bunch of interviews. Uh, those things are going to be rolling out throughout the week. You're going to see our interviews with Dirk Manning. You're going to see our interviews with Rob Liefeld, which was a huge one. We've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, so, what have you guys been feeling about our time here in Philly? What's the reaction been like to us? And you know, what do you, how, how are you guys enjoying it? Yeah, I've been having a blast, man. You know, it's um, definitely a fun little mini vacation. Um, and yeah, it's you know, it's obviously always fun when we get to get to get when we get to get together, Jesus. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just been really cool to you know um, connect with some new people and uh, keep relationships that we had you know established going and we've got a ton of people invited on the show so we're gonna have some really cool guests in the next couple months um we have some really cool stuff to roll out for you guys so i think you're gonna be happy with what we did as much as we are yeah definitely um marco you've kind of been the the workhorse the technical workhorse do you want to talk about your experience so far my feet hurt Uh, Marco's really the the tech guru. He's the guy behind the scenes who kind of makes this show happen. And when we do go out and do these events and do interviews, he's typically the one behind the camera. So uh, thank you, Marco, for all your contributions. 
Thank you, Comics Pals. Oh, oh <laughs> this feels like a weird NPR interview now. <laughs> and that's you, not to say NPR interviews are weird, but this sounds like a weird one. And yeah, you're on the shirt. Why are you thinking yourself? <laughs> he's that conceited. He's wearing the. We have a we have Comics Pals shirts now, and he's wearing it as if he's and he's talking like he's not on the show. <laughs> he's talking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! This is getting real meta. <laughs> Speaking so. of uh, speaking of the shirts, um, you know we're we've gotten a little bit of feedback on them that people are interested in picking them up. So if you yourself are interested, let us know because we're trying to gauge some interest and see if maybe we'll maybe we'll print some for some of the pals at home. So if you want a t-shirt, write it and let us know at thecomicspals.gmail.com. Yeah, and um, I mean that's a good as a good as good a time as any to hit up the plugs because if you go on our social media channels right now you can check out us wearing the shirts if you haven't seen it yeah yeah um, get a look for yourself yeah we've got a ton again a metric ton of um images that we've taken uh, pictures we've taken at the convention Some really cool cosplay all, photos all kinds of cool cosplays we got cool videos one with ultron shouting us out which was very cool for all of us. Uh, so you can check us out on all the social media platforms at the Comics Pals. Uh, if you are listening to this on iTunes, you should leave us a five-star rating. We are a five-star rated podcast. We are very proud of that. Matt Murphy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? That's the guy that I'm going to smash in Injustice 2. Oh. You heard it here first, folks. So it's definitely gonna happen. They did accept the challenge, so yeah. They, for those who don't know, is uh, our friends Matt and Tyler over the Longbox Podcast. We are gonna throw down the gauntlet, as it were, in Injustice Two. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, out for that too. Our little sister podcast. Oh, they're the little sister podcast now. You guys are throwing some serious shade, and I don't appreciate it because I'm getting lumped in with you lot, specifically you, Phil. What? <laughs> hey, what? Hey, what? Uh, what? Did, what's Dirk's? Favorite uh, catchphrase? Oh, uh, he'll, he'll get the heat. Yeah, he'll get the heat. heat. Uh, and that's so, why we get so many listeners. <laughs> we'll we'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, so social media covered, um, podcast hosting platforms, SoundCloud, big business there. Keep checking us out on SoundCloud, and then wherever your podcasts are sold, you can find us there. Uh, YouTube, definitely like this video, share it with your friends, leave us a comment. Um, and again, those shares are super important, letting people out there know that we're here, that we exist, and that you like what we do. Uh, and you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can send in a random question. You can let us know if you've been to Wizard Row, Philadelphia, what your experience was like. All that jazz, you can write to us and uh, we can talk. Yeah, and if you are an audio listener, please, uh, if you want to see some of our Wizard World coverage, the interviews we did, those are all going to be over on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't been to our YouTube channel, go check it out. Give us a, uh, give us a subscribe and uh, keep your eyes peeled there. Should We should have our first video up, up today. So yeah, check it out. Yeah. So I, I do want to get back to Matt and Tyler really fast uh. just because Tyler, you know, listen, I've always been very complimentary of Longbox. I think they're great guys, both of them. Uh, but Tyler chose to cut a promo in Bray Wyatt fashion on me and on Phil. And it was okay. <laughs> you're, being, you're being generous. <laughs> you might be right. See, here's the deal. I don't cut promos. I get in the ring. Oh! So, when we do get in the ring, Tyler... We'll see if you have anything to say when the dust settles. You don't want to squash Murphy in the ring because he might like it. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to Philly, um, Pete 
mentioned that people have really been shouting out our shirts and uh, expressing interest in them. One of the things that's been really cool for me being here is just how much attention we've gotten. Um, you know, we've done a lot of this stuff before, so we do have a rapport with a lot of creators and stuff like that. So getting their respect and, and being able to talk to them is, is something that we've done a lot. But getting the reaction from people who don't necessarily know us and aren't familiar uh, is really cool and really gratifying that what we're doing is working out. And so I'm really appreciative of all of that. If you do listen to the show and you, you came up and said hello to us, uh, thank you for that. And if you are a listener and you happen to see us at a future convention, definitely do come talk to us. We are nice guys, except for Phil. I will sign autographs for a fee. <laughs> um, um, I wanted to say like yeah. a huge thank you to all the creators that took the time to speak with us, especially the ones who who are our friends from before, who yep. were happy to see that we had you know struck out on our own to do our own thing and were supportive and you know took the time to to speak with us, even though we're you know a lot smaller than we used to be. So um, yeah, shout out to them. Uh, Kale, did you want to give your reactions to the weekend? Uh, yeah. So the best thing I probably did, I. Uh... I got to so they have the great big um, celebrity autograph uh, tables and yeah. and booths. Sure. Um, I got to see uh, the cast of Riverdale from like a distance, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> from I, a distance, I I politely nodded and said, "All right." I passed Cole Sprouse a love note. Good for you, kids. Asked him if he would play Batman Beyond in a film for me. <laughs> oh, man. See, what Kale's leaving out here is he he actually wrote a bunch of show notes, which he left on their table. <laughs> I would never. How dare you? He's... How hey. dare you? I, he's, I, he's winking into the microphone. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this, is, this is not a character. This is my sternest voice. How, how dare you? I feel like Kale um, admiring... Riverdale from afar is pretty apropos for how he's kind of handled his relationship with that show so far. <laughs> from afar? That's pretty accurate. That's closeted fan. Huh. Uh, Phil, did you want to give your impressions? You were only there for today so far. You'll be there Sunday. Uh, what did you think of the con? Well, the first thing I thought of was walking with you and your girlfriend, Sean, as you were very enthused to see Alexa Bliss, the wrestler, who wasn't there, and your girlfriend making all kinds of comments like, huh, why are you so disappointed that she's not here? For the <laughs> listeners at home, Alexa Bliss is an incredibly attractive woman. I love how one of the listeners ho at home includes Rebecca. So, <laughs> so listeners. <laughs> so, so listeners, we're putting Sean on blast. <laughs> so... Number one, I just want to clarify what I was saying was I want to see her walk to her booth. Yeah, and I bet. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But number two, Phil, why are you breaking kayfabe? Oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> well, yeah, come on, buddy. What are we doing? This is super unprofessional of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, go on. Is, is he breaking, though? He's kind of a heel all around. I suppose. Don't expose the business. You're right. <laughs> Don't worry, listeners. My face turn is coming. That's the last I lift the curtain. Anyway, um, got the interview Rob Liefeld today, which was yes. very interesting. Congratulations. Good. So, yeah, I got to interview Rob Liefeld. He was very accommodating and very friendly. Um, you can check that out, and I think I think you'll like the interview a lot because I think he provided some really meaningful uh, answers to some of the questions we asked him. And uh, I met Neil Adams today. He wasn't interested in doing an interview, but uh, he was very friendly. And I uh, bought the uh, 
Absolute Edition of Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Uh, we talked about the Joe, C- uh, the Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster incident that Neil Adams played a very large role in helping them get their creative rights in the 1960s, early 70s or whatever, when they were living as paupers. And uh, that was a cool experience. And, uh, and of course, the downside of today was when I saw my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> if you guys want to go on Instagram, we've got a little video. We ran into her. It was very awkward. She has a new boyfriend. Go check it out for yourself. You'll get a first-hand, uh, first-hand look at what happened. They're doing... Uh, what I've noticed is they're doing those, like, lightsaber fencing. I, I'm really surprised that she... She can even hold a lightsaber. <laughs> she doesn't really have very big arms or hands. That is a knock. That is a diss. I'm coming at you. You and your massive jaws. <laughs> You're a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're just we're just going right on the nose for this one anymore. She's a T-Rex. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for that. How about you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a great time. Um Again, it's always great to, to get to reach out to the creators and have conversations with them and stuff. We got a lot of support, as Pete was saying, and that's really cool. Um, we had to hang out with a friend of the show, Dirk Manning, which was really cool. Went to yeah. one of his panels. Tell us about that a little bit, the Dirk sure. Manning interview. Sure, sure. Uh, it was, I mean, every time I interview Dirk, it's always very special. Uh, we've built a very good relationship outside of business and so he's always very accommodating of me whenever we sit down to talk. Uh, and he's a very energetic and animated guy. If you know who he is, if you've seen interviews before of his, you, you'll know that he's very uh, out there and he, he loves wrestling. And so he, he always he always puts on a great show. And he and I always get along really great and things are always fun when we do it. So I had a lot of fun with him. Definitely check that out. Uh, you're Again, that one's probably up. I think we're putting that one up first. So that one should be up right now on our YouTube channel. Go check yeah. it out. Yeah, so uh, you guys will get a real kick out of that, I think. Um, and beyond that, it's just been fun, man. It's just been fun, and uh, I can't wait to do more of these. Yeah. What did you guys pick up at the con? Um, I haven't bought too much. I picked up um, the the new volume of one of Dirk's books, uh, Tales of Mr. Reed, which is my favorite of his. And then um, I also got his uh, his book... Uh, right or wrong. Right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Um, which is something I've been meaning to pick up for a while, and then um, that's pretty much it. I think. Like, I, I really haven't gotten too much. I'm kind of saving uh, that for tomorrow because tomorrow's Sunday. We're going wrapping up with a couple interviews, and then gonna take some downtime to like you know, kind of just run around and shop. So I'll probably do a little bit more of that tomorrow. Oh, you know what else? I got a really cool. Um, I got this really awesome shirt. Uh, it's there was this PlayStation event. I think it was last year. Um, and they, they had this, like, it's silver, like, chrome kind of Sony logo, and, like, it says PlayStation in Japanese, and, um, I've wanted it since the event, but it was, like, only an import, and I'm not gonna import a shirt from Japan, um, but there's a vendor whose whole thing is doing that, so, got it for 20 bucks, pretty sweet. Awesome. And if you want to see more of the stuff that we've picked up, a lot of us haven't really had the chance to shop too much, and we're gonna do that tomorrow, which is Sunday, uh, if you do want to see a lot of our swag and the stuff that we pick up you can check that out on instagram and twitter it'll all be posted so uh you can go and, and find that i was gonna say marco i think definitely got the coolest stuff of the weekend he got a lot of swamp thing swag uh oh we got into this whole argument with uh well, not argument but this whole discussion with uh dan doherty uh 
basically I wanted the inks to a, like oh God, the, yeah, this is great. The inks to a um, what was it? To some kind of it was a Swamp kind of, Thing print. Yeah. print. He had and, like he had like a full color version that he was selling for like ten bucks a print, and he had like the inked black and white one just like in a sketchbook. Yeah, and I was like, can I get the inks? He's like, but the colors are. I was like, yeah, but I really want the inks. He's like, but but. I, but the colors, I'm like, mm, no, the ink, he's like, it's just a piece of paper. I'm not going to sell it to you. He's like, all right, whatever. I'll take the color, I guess. <laughs> he's like, I don't, I can't in good conscience just sell you a piece of printer paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be putting that up on, on social media so you guys can check it out. Cool, cool. Phil, I, I believe you had a, a question for us. Yeah, actually. Oh, so I, I mean, I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week. I just, I just watched Marco die for the volume. <laughs> I like, I tried to like back off, and I was like, oh, you know, he's adjusting it. I need to just commit. The veins in Marco's forehead—they didn't know what to do. <clears throat> Since this is such a meaty episode, the question I thought of is simple, and we haven't even said it on the show, even though it's 32 episodes in. Who's everyone's favorite artist? We've never talked about this. Uh, I, I've said it multiple times, but um, I'll get out of the way. Is Mine's Ryan Trash. Hartley. I'll, I'll actually <laughs> fucking kill you, Marco. I ran across the con to choke him earlier because he, he made a joke about Invincible. You don't, you don't speak ill of Ryan motherfucking Otley, all right? Why is Ryan Otley your favorite? Ryan Otley is my favorite artist in the business because... There's just something about his style, man. Uh, it speaks very much to my sensibilities of I really like artists that go for a style that's a, like a little realistic, but that isn't afraid to be cartoony or like use minimalism, you know, um, to just to like to good effect, you know. And uh, I think particularly what I love is I think he has such a he, he's so good at drawing things that are just normal, but like. One of the things that is fun about Invincible is when things get dialed up to 11 and they get really intense and it's so few and far between. And um, when he does go like the the gore and you know that viscera, that kind of route, like man, does he go uh, down that route. Um, so I just, he has a lot of range, you know? And I've just seen him do so much with Invincible that's been so just like fresh. And I'm really excited to see, as much as I like, I'm so upset that Invincible is coming to an end. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do now that he's not going to be tied to that book. Nice. How about you, Kale? Is it Darwin Cook? It's, I would say, yeah, it's Darwin Cook and... Tim Sale. Sometimes. Okay. I would say Darwin Cook and, and like, the the folk similar to him, um, Bruce Tim. Okay. Mm. Um that like more silver age kind of stylistic like a little angular yeah yeah, yeah. um jordan gibson yeah. uh, friend of the show has um a style that's very inspired by uh, uh darwin cook god yeah check out check out check out his stuff yeah man. doc shaner yeah great great pull yeah, yeah yeah uh cameron stewart writer artist i yeah love his stuff uh he and shaner on a uh, shazam would be like my dream oh that would be uh, perfect yeah book. absolutely yeah. What about you, Marky Mark? Uh, I really like the horror stuff, but I really like uh, like a more painted look. So I always bring him up, Tyler Crook um, from Howard County. And um, if it doesn't go that, that route, it goes more like the horror noir route. So like Frank Avila, um, he's always a solid choice. Kelly Jones. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. definitely. definitely. Um, so like that more just like dramatic. 
uh, more like a lot of heavy inks or just like a flurry of color. That True. Kind of thing. Yeah. I have so many. Uh, Pick well, one. It's, it's, what's dumb is that it might be Frank Quitely who always exa- works with Morrison. Yeah. Um, so is that dumb? I mean, it is because it's so associated yeah, with Grant right. is all. Um, Miller is definitely up there. I really like his paneling and like how how stylistic his art is. Miller who? Frank. Um, it's so he Miller Frank never heard of him. <laughs> he's a newie. He's a newbie. <laughs> he's a newie. He's, a newie. <laughs> he's an oldie newie. <laughs> I really like Declan uh, uh, Declan Shalvey oh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good mm-hmm. on the, from that Moon Knight book. Um, how about you, Sean? So for me, uh, showing my inability to move on, uh, Steve McNeven, who illustrated Civil War. I can't get beyond that book, and everything he does, I follow. Uh, I really loved him on the Ed Brubaker Captain America run, so he's for me. He's, did he do Old Man Logan? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah he did. Uh, so I mean, he's a superstar artist, and then also Alex Ross. Anything he's done well, of has course. been phenomenal. He, he barely counts because, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the only other person I wanted to mention was JD Jones. Um, nice. I'm a big oh, fan of his artwork. Strange, Fu- Strange Fruit was beautiful. Uh, Ex Machina was amazing. So everything he's done has been. We're awesome. gonna try and talk to him tomorrow too. Yes, yes, I would love to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, wait, hold on. So everybody else got an honorable mention. I want to give a shout out to Fiona Staples. I didn't get an honorable mention. You got. You, you gave three. Like Thirty people. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna honorable. Oh mention no no no! Mike We're moving on. Yes. Mike Allred is a dope artist. Oh hell yeah! I love. I love Allred, dude. All right. This is great. Let's so talk other about other artists. <laughs> let's talk about getting Phil off the show. No, let's talk about Wonder Woman. It is Wonder Woman Day, right? And so I do want to talk about Wonder Woman. We're going to review the movie a little bit later. Uh, just so you guys know, this is not going to be a full news segment. We're only really talking Wonder Woman because we've had a long weekend. And, it's like uh, 10 o'clock at night. We yeah. usually do this in the morning. And we've just been kissing Oh, it's 11? That's good. It's even better. So we're doing it 12 hours later than we normally would. Yeah. We've just been smooching so much. That's why we're at full form. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this isn't even my final formula. So, <laughs> poor Sean. Uh, Wonder Woman has been out for two days in the United States officially, and they've already talked about a sequel. Uh, so, this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, allegedly, the the next Wonder Woman film, Wonder Woman Two, will actually be set in modern times. Now, what's interesting about this is that it's being reported, but. There's actually no green light for a second film that it just hasn't been greenlit. But Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are contractually obligated to do a second film. So we know it's coming, right? The movie has done well, well enough. We're going to talk about numbers in a little bit. uh, But it's done well enough that it probably will get a sequel. The word of mouth has been fantastic this weekend. So chances are great that we'll see another one. Yeah, it would be really crazy if they didn't. Yeah, with with how much money it's already made, I feel like we got another sequel coming. Yeah, and so it'll probably be set in modern times. Do you guys think it should be set in modern times, or would you prefer another period piece? I mean, you know, uh, not to not to make the comparison too heavily, but uh, you know, with the sort of the the Captain America pattern, like they should follow her like uh, sort of spy routes, you know, from like the seventies and and. Uh, even the um, the post infinite crisis era 
I mean, and that's make great. her make her a spy, make it like a a, a, a winter Diana soldier Prince movie. Yeah, make it a winter soldier kind of thing. That'd be really cool. I'd, I'd be into that. Um, I I think it would also be really cool if you kind of maybe put that into a World War Two setting as well. Like, and she's a spy, and that could be fun. But I I don't really think we need another war. We movie. need more yeah. bad Germans. <laughs> we, don't have enough, we don't have enough movies where Germans are the villains. I don't think. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I like the idea of it being a period piece because I think there's a lot of ground to be explored there. I mean, there's a hundred years between the where we leave her in in Wonder Woman and where we pick her up in Justice League or Batman v Superman. So um, obviously, there's a lot of ground to be covered there. I think Phil made the point when we walked out of the movie that it's a little weird that we had this whole big end of war plot <laughs> a few years before World War II and. We're not gonna like necessarily know what was going on with her then, and so I don't necessarily want another World War Two movie, but I think it could. I think it could work. I would, yeah. I would like that question answered. They're yeah. like, they're like this. This uh, mustard gas is the worst thing ever, and then the atomic bomb was invented like twenty five right. years it's like, later. Yeah, like what she, what she think about that? You know, oh, it's a good thing. Or, or like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good thing. This doesn't. This does not provoke war at all. <laughs> Marco, what do you think about that? Uh, I think Masari also brought up the point uh, from the show Chris Masari that if they sort of went into like a World War II kind of thing, that'd be pretty cool just to follow her in in the war because those are like the sequences that we'll get into it later. But those are like the sequences that I thought were the best executed. Yeah, like the, for sure. They were shot really well and it just fit into her sort of warrior side, you know, and yeah. th- those were the ones that I thought that fit. So if she was maybe... I mentioned this to Phil also, like, uh, if she was kind of the Wonder Woman of uh, New Frontier, like the Cold War kind of coming in, freeing people and like teaching them how to how to be on their how to be on their own, how to survive um, for themselves. Like that would be a cool sort of that, that'd be the cool next step for me. That's where the, the next movie would would probably go. I'm like, that's where I would like it to see. It seems it. like a logical conclusion. That's what I'd like to see it go. Like after the whole scare and in that panicked uh, environment, I guess or atmosphere. Yeah, that right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, you're in like the Cold War. Like, yeah, that could be cool. Like, I don't know. I, I definitely like the idea of like a Di- uh, Diana Prince like uh, spy movie, which I I almost think it would be unfortunate because of the comparisons that are inevitably going to be made to Captain America. But but if it works, yeah, who I mean, fucking cares? Yeah. Because, like, that's how I felt about this movie. If it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Decent try. So, for me... I liked it. (laughs) For me, I really think we get to the modern time. I am typically not one for period pieces. I thought as a period piece, this was fine. I thought the setting was appropriate. Um, I didn't feel as strongly about Captain America the first Avenger, that's for sure. Uh, so mm-hmm. I thought all of what they did, the setting they chose was all good, but I really want to see a, a movie where the repercussions can be real and palpable, especially in a shared universe. I want to know that things that happen in her film could echo into other movies uh, or have real implications for what's sort of taking place in her life currently. Mm. You know, this movie's definitely a flashback, and so we know that there are certain things that can't happen, and that takes away from 
the immediacy of the proceedings, even though we go into these movies knowing the hero will ultimately win out. I don't know, man. For me, like, I think I would agree with you if I had more confidence in this universe because, like, Wonder Woman is the only part of this now three-movie uh, franchise that I enjoyed, you know? and Four movies. Four movies. Well. No, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, of these four movies, this is the only one I enjoyed, and it's the only one that I'm interested in seeing a sequel to. And I almost like the idea of it being its own thing and letting her relate to the the modern day characters and the modern day story that's going no. on in Justice League. Suicide Squad crossover. <laughs> like that's what I'm talking about. Is like I don't want to see her interact with them. No. I don't want to see her. At all. Like I don't care about that. No. Like, that would not interest me. Damaged. <laughs> that, that's have, what I'll be. Can we have a conversation, Phil? <laughs> See, I don't know. Like, I think I would probably agree with you if I was more excited about any of the other properties in this universe. Do you think Wonder Woman is daddy's little monster? I fucking hate you. (laughs) (laughs) You're actually the worst. (laughs) I was sitting here just holding that in my head. Like, oh my God, this is the worst. Somewhere, Somewhere Murphy got a shiver and he went... Yes. (laughs) Uh, Man, Matt Murphy is getting a lot of play on this episode Um, Moving It's because he's been on our minds this weekend We wish they were here Yeah, that's also true Speak for yourself Whoa Huh? I mean, we got called out That doesn't mean they can't be here to have a good time Tyler cut a promo on us And? He he cut a promo on them (laughs) I'm the victim (laughs) So, anyway uh, Let's talk about Let's talk about money Because Wonder Woman Is actually doing pretty well for itself so far That's one way of putting it (laughs) I I think that that's actually a really positive thing I mean, we're talking about a 94% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is extremely high. Uh, uh, it's like, what, probably a solid 40 points above everything else in the yeah. universe? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the, the best performing film in the DCEU, which starts from Man of Steel. And then uh, also, it's the first superhero movie of the decade directed by a female director. So that's actually really awesome as well. And It's I think only that, like one of... Like two, right or three, or something. Thor: like Dark that. World was directed by a woman, I think. Yeah, and uh, well, that's not out yet, I guess. Right? Is it the whole thing? Sorry, Thor: Dark World. Oh, oh wait, Dark World's the second. One. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was thinking. That. I was thinking Ragnarok. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, Deadline's reporting that as of Saturday today, uh, also happens to be Wonder Woman Day. Uh, the movie has raked in 97.1 million in the United States. So that's really awesome. I mean, you're talking about Thursday night, so the midnight showings, and then Friday and uh, the day of Saturday. So that's really not bad at all. Yeah, it's not uh, very many shows and then, at all. Yeah, and then that doesn't include the international uh, finances. So it's looking like $47 million coming from the international box office. So that's that's awesome. And, it, and again, it's doing really well. It's, it's the best-performing... Uh, female directed film f- ever on a weekend. That's cool. Wow, so, that's, cool. that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's, there's not a lot of blockbusters directed by women. No, you know, Frozen, but Frozen didn't have 
uh, a huge opening weekend. That's yeah, not, that was like a slow burn. Yeah, well, you know, movies like children's movies, people don't go to midnight premieres for you know. So yeah. I, would, would you call that a blockbuster? Frozen? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I would say any Disney animated feature is definitely a blockbuster, just because it's Disney. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess so. Yeah, I wouldn't say that about most like animated fair or kids movies, but I think Disney stuff is kind of like in a league of its own. Mm. You know? Yeah. So uh, that's that's really good news. I mean, I think all of us want to see more films uh, with you know female-led superheroes. Daddy's little monster. And, <laughs> and just stop. We. we <laughs> We <laughs> oh, now I'm damaged. <laughs> See, I like that one. <laughs> now you're damaged. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, why don't we just get into the review? Because I think that's let's do it. What we're all really into. Uh, so let's start spoiler free. Yeah, like gonna, we always do. We're gonna start spoiler free. We'll jump into a spoiler section a little later on, and we'll. Give you guys the clear out if you want to jump out of that conversation because we're going to talk about everything. So let's do initial overall impressions of the film. Keep the spoilers out. Just your general thoughts and feelings. Pete, hit us up. Sure. Um, so I really enjoyed the movie uh, quite a bit and a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I think upon marinating on it a little bit, I think I would probably put it at a solid... Um, I think it's solidly a B plus, and I think it flirts with an A. Um, I think the the third act is really weak, um, which is a shame because the first two acts have legitimately, I think, some of my favorite moments in any superhero movie. And uh, I think we'll talk about it when we get to the spoiler section. I think it's really a shame because I think a few key changes would make it almost perfect. Um, but I think the... Uh, the setup is quick and effective and it spends the most time during the best part of the movie and then the real meat of the plot. And, um, I think it's, it's really charming. I think it's, it's often very, uh, like cute in a way that's not cloying or, um, or offensive. And, uh, I think, um, the cast is phenomenal. I thought Gal Gadot and, um, or is it Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Okay. Gal Gadot and, um, and Chris Pr- Chris Pine in particular uh, were fantastic as leads. I thought they had really good chemistry together. Um, I thought Steve Trevor could have really easy easily been a a really nothing character or a character that tried to steal the spotlight. And I thought he was neither. Um, I think the supporting players were for the most part well fleshed out and fairly memorable uh, for this kind of movie, especially knowing that we're not going to see them again. Um, and I guess unless we get that World War Two movie, but. Um, yeah, I think the real weak point is is the villain. Um, mm. but otherwise, I think it was directed really well. I think the action sequences were surprisingly well executed and and uh, very varied. There's a lot of of um, everything feels different. Like each big set piece feels unique and memorable, and that is rare. I think in a in a superhero movie, and especially in an origin, you know. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely worth your time, I think, worth your money. And, uh, I mean, like, it's it's clearly the best of DC's offerings, and I think it's actually in the upper echelon of superhero movies. So, what, What's great about seeing a movie with it. Pete 
because I sat next to him in the theater, is he visib- like visibly and audibly enjoys the movie in such a way that it's contagious. <laughs> and it was wonderful to sit next to a person like that during a movie like this. I'm glad I enhanced your experience. You enhanced mine, too. <laughs> Kale? Uh, yeah, I can't add much more than Pete. I, I don't think... I think I I don't think I would necessarily say it's a B plus, but I would give it a, a solid B flirting with a B plus. I it's a solid movie, and I I mean I would waffle on that. Like it's a uh, I think this uh, while it's not perfect, uh, it it's a very solid movie, and it's uh, if it if it's supposed to be what everybody says it is, it works. I think it uh, I think it plays. It's got that special sauce. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. Same thing. Uh, I think my biggest worry coming into it was I didn't know how the the World War One aspect would fit in. I didn't. I didn't really like. I didn't really see it. But um, it it definitely it played to her strengths surprisingly, and that 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 definitely surprised me. Um, so yeah, I I give it like a solid a solid B. You know what? That's good. Hot take. <laughs> uh, how'd you feel about it, Sean? So I. Uh, <laughs> Phil, do you want to expand or? Oh, okay. Really? Uh, That's it. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> I think. Don't, I think... Don't, don't coddle him, boys. He'll get his chance. <laughs> the listeners know that if I say it was good, it was good. But I'll expand. Um, so. No, it was a really solid film. Um, like, there's a scene in the film where, because it's World War One, I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but Wonder Woman crosses no man's land, mm. and that entire don't talk too much about it. I'm not gonna yeah. say too much, but it's like it's extremely inspirational. She steps off that ladder, man, and like it's awe awe inspiring. Inspirational is exactly the word I would use. And yeah. what's crazy is that. They had earned that scene in particular that because it built up to that so well that like it, it was a payoff. Yeah, and I mean Peter already talked about it, but the actual climax of the film felt so out of place and underwhelming that it really it it <laughs> it was like a pothole, as Kale and I were saying last night. Mm. And uh, if the film had began to wrap up fi- uh, around that scene involving uh, No Man's Land. Like if that was if that was the buildup of the climax of the film, I think audience I, I can't speak for audiences, but I think I would have walked away thinking like, oh my god, it's one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. I, I think to be fair, I think most people are going to walk away saying that. I, we're I think a little critical because I mean that's our job, you know, and like and we watch all these movies, we look at them with a, a more stringent eye than I think your average viewer. I don't think a lot of average moviegoers are going to have as much of a problem with the third act as we did. Yeah, that's probably true. That's that's why I, I mean if the rate if the reviews are any indication, you know, like Um, that all said, Wonder Woman was um definitely the best DCEU film and I remember during the very inspirational film scenes I turned to Pete and said why wasn't Man of Steel like this yeah the, the, well, it, it wasn't even that indignant like you were just like what like wow <laughs> like this is this is what the Superman movie supposed this is how Superman is supposed to make me feel <laughs> now I'm in- indignant about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> two days a uh, night later <laughs> I feel indignant about it but yeah you get the idea Man of Steel the, the character is supposed to represent hope if Wonder Woman represented hope far greater than any uh, Superman interpretation in the last few years. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't think the best comparison you can make to it is like to the original Superman movie. It nails that feeling of just like it just feels right. Yeah, at least totally for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think I don't think I enjoyed it as much as everyone else did. Uh, it's it's all right. I thought it was all right. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's ambitious, and I think it's ambitious in ways that it really should be. Because it has the opportunity to be to be different, just based on the fact that uh, it is Wonder Woman, and we've not seen this before, so that's something to. And, and I think it achieves quite a few of its goals, uh, especially in the way that Wonder Woman is presented. It sucks that this is a thing, but it is. She's presented as a hero, like any other. There's not anything special or different or wrong with her. That is the way it is because she's a woman. She's a character who you can believe in that will fight for you. That's heroic because that's just who she is. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, I thought the supporting cast was solid. Uh, Steve Trevor, uh, you know, I, I think Chris Pine did a really good job with what he was given. There, There's a, a fine line, I think, you know, that they could have been crossed that would have put him over the top in terms of being maybe too overbearing and they definitely didn't go down that road he very much was a supporting character it sucks that all of us have to go into the movie thinking oh well you know are they gonna put him in the forefront too much uh because typically men especially men that are are leading men in hollywood are never the supporting character yeah that's right? a, no, a valid point yeah totally um so but of course Kudos to the creative team for not going down that road. Well, and to be fair, I mean, like, it's probably something you said, the fact that it was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sure. I think we, we, one of the things Marco commented on, too, was he was really happy that there weren't any gratuitous shots of her, you know, or, like, anything that was, like, very clearly this kind of, like, male gaze angle kind of thing. Yeah. And, like, all those things were things I think would have really felt tone deaf. And it doesn't make any of those mistakes. Fortunately, we did get a lot of Steve Trevor dick and ball scenes. Unfortunately, not enough. Gratuitous. <laughs> you guys are weird. Damaged. Uh, you tell me you don't want to see Chris Pine's balls? Nope. Damaged. <laughs> so where, where I think the negatives come in for me, uh, and of course we're avoiding spoilers for the time being, but I think that the movie sets out to be extremely inspirational and to send a message of of positivity and I don't think that the message of positivity really hits in the end I didn't leave the theater feeling uh, positive about what ended up happening in the end of the film I I didn't feel positive about the ultimate results of the climax Hmm. um I got everything you guys are talking about in terms of the No Man's Land scene. I thought that was great. Uh, all that was cool. I love the underlying theme of sort of what, what Ares, the villain, represented of like this endless war and, and all that stuff. I thought was was well done. And Wonder Woman representing the counter the counterpoint to that was all good. But I don't think that by the end... Might as well just go into spoilers. Well, hold on. I mean, I haven't said anything. Haven't yeah, he hasn't spoiled anything yet. Uh, uh, well, let him finish his point, and then we'll um, I think by the end, the 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 point, what they were trying to say, it, it, it falls apart. I especially, think it gets muddled. Yeah, especially when you tie in where she ends up 
and that we know she ends up, you know, a hundred years later in Batman vs Superman. Sure. So, uh, if everyone is cool, I think we can move into to spoiler territory. Unless you guys have a final. Yeah. Thought. I think I think having you haven't seen Batman vs Superman, right? No, I did. Pete, you yeah, did? no, I did. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. And Marco hasn't seen it. Okay. okay. Yeah, I've I, seen all of them. I wonder. I wonder if we felt different because we haven't seen it. Uh, Batman vs. Superman. You haven't seen it either? No. God, no. Wow. Oh, I yeah, that's right. Yeah. I wasn't going to go see that abysmal piece of garbage. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, but, yeah, no, I I felt the inspiration more so, I think, up until that third act. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Actually, yeah. I, I really don't agree with, with the point that Sean's making in terms of... Um, like not feeling I didn't I didn't I, I, I don't yeah. have those same problems like I didn't I didn't that. I guess I wasn't able to make that connection because I didn't see Batman versus Superman so I don't know what happened with her in that film we'll dive into that more a little later I yeah. do have something to say that I I'm sure you guys will disagree with and I do want to say this before we jump into the spoiler territory because okay. this, be, this is the last point yeah okay uh I actually enjoy this movie about as much as I enjoyed Man of Steel. That's fucking insane. <laughs> and, and and I'm saying that as someone who really likes Man of Steel. I I, I really love that movie. And yeah. Everyone looked up at Sean and just shook their heads. It was, it was yeah. just, yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, if you love Man of Steel, I guess it's fine. But <laughs> Not even Phil loves Man of Steel. And he's a super boy. Man of Steel is like okay you know like no it's, it's not <laughs> there there are things in man of steel that are like pretty good it's it, it's it's just a really messy and and messy is an understatement but the main problem with that movie is the tone yeah. feels real wrong um but like there are things in it that are good like i think it's probably like a c-minus movie <laughs> i give man of steel a b and i give wonder woman a b oh man i mean i'm, I'm okay with that i guess <laughs> i'm not um, <laughs> all right, we can, yeah. All yeah, right, so, so yeah, so we're yeah. we're gonna move into the spoiler section of the conversation. So uh, if you guys haven't seen the movie yet, and you want to tag out, um, you know, come back later if you want to hear our thoughts, full spoilers. But if not, uh, if you're on YouTube, please like it, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. You know, if you're on uh, any of your audio podcasts or any of the audio services, you know, you do the same kind of thing. And uh, we'll see you next week. This is the part where Pete hosts the show. <laughs> so we're in the we're in the uh, spoiler territory now. So let's just dive into it. Uh, I want to talk about a particular scene early on in the mo- early on in the movie, particularly where Steve Trevor kind of lands on the island and they're having that that first sort of set piece. Um, the, the fight with the Germans. The fight with the Germans. Yeah. I really, really liked that part. I yeah. really loved that scene. That was cool. Uh, first of all, seeing seeing women, right, and only women, beating the shit out of German Nazi, well, not Nazi, but German soldiers was very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. I was really conflicted about that scene because, like, you're, you're telling me that people just found it? Like, wasn't that the point? Was that it was hidden? And you're not supposed to find it? Well, they were the first uh, non-Themyscarians, non-Amazonian people to stumble there because they had found... They followed Steve Trevor. This is a coincidence. Like, think about it in the, uh, in the scope of, like, over the last 10,000 years is the first time this has happened. 10,000 10, years? You're telling me nobody sailed into Themyscira? I, I, I give you that, for sure, 100%. I rolled my eyes actually. Okay. I just like that set piece, but I rolled yeah. my eyes at the yeah. them coming. Yeah. I get. I guess I get that, but I don't know. I feel like from. This, I was. I feel like the setup made sense for me just because 
they have the benefit of like semi-modern technology. So in the last 10,000 years, the fact that a wooden ship didn't come to an island that is probably in the middle of nowhere, like, yeah, that's not totally crazy to me. I was thinking so, about thematically. Zeus's so, force field is weak to it's metal. It's not a force field, it's fog. Yeah. They said that. Well, this is what I was thinking about thematically, is that the whole point is... Um, the island is protected during times of peace, but this is the war to end all wars, and that's what brought Ares to the shop, the, the shop, the shores. <laughs> shop. <laughs> it brought him to the shop. <laughs> oh, it's late. It brought him to the shores of Themyscira because war had reached the, and, and, and like thematically, that's when the uh, Amazonians were getting killed. Because sure. war yeah, had been war brought to the shore. Them, right? Yes. Yeah. That was like the theme. I did have this thought. Um, and it's sort of, um, have you guys read uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, American Gods? Yeah. No, I haven't been meaning to. But. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, some of like uh, like the like the big point of that book is that like uh, when enough people are worshipping a god, that's how they get their power. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, like this was uh, the whole World War setting and like uh, the like the we get the backstory of Ares losing his power from Zeus, and then all of a sudden he's got all this power. Uh, it, it it made that part made sense to me thinking of it in that lens. Yeah, like I think that he, makes sense. Like you know everybody's at war, so everybody's worshiping war, and they're for it. Yep. And this is like you know the Great War, as it were. It is yeah. like they said it's the first time that like all of mankind is involved in a conflict. Yeah. See. I think, Kale, what you just said is is actually really awesome. I don't know that that really translates in the movie. No, and I don't think it was supposed to. It just it, it sort of made me. I just kind of made that connection at some point with some. I mean, I don't know dialogue. I felt that way too, though, and like I don't like I I don't necessarily know that it was like uh, subtextually there, but I do feel like you're some kind of supposed to imply that that like you know that like war is finally taken over it's touched everywhere else in the world so now it's here no i'm, I'm referring to kale's other point about oh about the power yeah okay yeah i'm sorry yeah that i think that that was that would have been something really cool for them to inject yeah into it sure. because that makes total sense yeah. yeah and it also explains how he came to power again yeah. um so the, the one other thing that I did want to point out about that particular scene is that there's a moment where Steve Trevor actually grabs uh, Wonder Woman and pulls her away. I think there was some shooting going on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's and a he, bullet coming. He, yeah, and he grabs her and pulls her away. And I was thinking, okay, here we go, right? How can he even move her body? You know, like this is ridiculous. And then she just, there's a way that she moves away from him. After, like, a few beats of him holding her arm, where it's like, I don't need you to do that. You know, like... Yo, when... Uh, sorry to jump ahead. Yeah, yeah. When she's uh, in that uh, uh, war room with all the generals and stuff, yeah. and he's trying to push her away, I full-on expected her to throw him across the room. <laughs> I was like, how, why is she not destroying him right now? Yeah. Well, let's talk about their relationship in the film, because I think that's something that we probably all felt positive about. Yeah. Who's new? Yeah, go ahead, Phil. <laughs> um, well, I was totally put on blast for that one. So, <laughs> are you prepared to do the show? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. So, Steve Trevor and, and Diana kind of had a little bit of a Lois and Clark going on here. Yeah. Um, in the sense that it 
the dynamic worked. You have an extremely, you have a goddess, a literal goddess, and a man who f- like fulfills the male um, gender status quo role, but he's a, he's not emasculated. But I mean, he's in the shadow of a goddess. But the relationship develops because even though he's a spy and, and he has this cr- motley crew of of, of uh, cohorts, thinking of a I don't know deviant not deviants but they're, well I think they're, like you said they're like rapsky, like a motley crew you know it's like they're these they're this kind of like band of brothers and they're all kind of you know like they all have their vice or whatever they all have some kind of pain that they're carrying with them and they're all kind of like a a band of like rejects. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe renegade is the word I'm sure, thinking of. Something yeah. to that effect. But They're like um Ronins. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he's not he's not a paragon figure. He's not Clark Kent or, or something like that. He's just a guy who's trying to end the war and he's in, in that he has a heart of gold. And their relationship as it develops, like the scene where they're dancing in the snow, and she's like, "Is this what peace is like?" I loved that, dude. I thought that was a really well executed moment. Like, yeah, uh, and like, I'll I'll be the first to say I'm a sucker for romance, but like, I I bought it. You know, like it didn't feel like a movie romance. Like it felt like they had a natural relationship that grew because they admired one another. And their romance wasn't it wasn't bludgeoned over, you weren't bludgeoned with it like there wasn't a gratuitous make out it, it wasn't a dominant part of the movie at all no and so in the end when Steve Trevor is speaking to the, the shell shocked Diana and he says I love you it, it, it feels earned absolutely and I think um, one of the things that's interesting that you said is like I actually think part of the reason huh. that the relationship I thought was so well served is because Steve was a supporting character and not a plot device like many, um, you know, female, yeah, like many female love interests are because they're not generally physical characters. Yeah. You know, like Steve is a soldier. Steve is a spy. Steve is like a partner to her in this. So I think them like having that dynamic feels natural and it feels earned. And like you care about Steve because he's a major player, not because she cares about him. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about when, uh, Steve tells her, I love you. Yeah. That feels especially earned because we have to go back and watch that scene again. And that, I, really I think, like that. I okay. think that yeah, played that really good. well. Yeah. Really good. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, she's shell shocked because she's been through this huge explosion. She had her bell rung. We legitimately we can. can't, she can't hear, she can't. And I like it that, that we also can hear. Yeah. So, you know, like, it, it's one thing if she doesn't hear it and we do, but it's the fact that us, we're being placed in the same position that she is right now, yeah, you know? absolutely. We're, we're being, like, uh, we're being taken through it. We're not just being, like, we're being shown. We're not being told. And, like, I remember in that moment, like, I was reading his lips because I was like, what are you saying? Yeah, what are same. you saying? It's like, not, It's not just that. Marcus says he's being, they're, they're showing, not telling. The way they show it the first time is him giving his father's watch to her. Right. And it's, you it's know what that represents. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, like, it was symbolic. It was, like, it was going back to that, the the first, the, like, their first interaction. intimate in- interaction. Yeah. And the second time you hear it and, oh, that, yeah, was, that was, was so good. well done. And, yeah, we go through that with her and like when she feels that that's when she sets off that's when she comes to super saiyan yeah. um another thing i wanted to comment on too you said um something that really worked for you is that like steve is able to be a you know uh kind of classic hollywood 
action hero, um, despite the fact that he's playing second fiddle to a woman, but he doesn't feel emasculated. And I think that is huge in why her dynamic with these other characters work so well, because I don't think that the movie tries to ignore the realities of that time period and that people would be skeptical about a woman, but they immediately come to accept her because it's like, well, it's like she's a god, you know, it's like she's this force to be reckoned with, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to project bullshit onto her, and I, I think him specifically, I loved how we kind of got that moment with, with the two of them on the boat, and he is kind of espousing this, like, very old-fashioned, you know, kind of like... Man-woman dynamic. Yeah, right, and, and I like that he quickly realizes that it's like, well, that's not how it is with her. You know, and he adapts. He doesn't try to push that shit on her or be like, oh, well, it's not right for you because you're a woman or whatever. It's like it's it. And it doesn't feel like they're trying to do that. It just feels like that's his character and it and it works. You know, I was thinking about like the Lois and Clark dynamic where, you know, the typical male woman thing in like a classic trope is the woman is subservient to the man or whatever. But Lois is a character. She's like like she's a firecracker and yeah. she's not subservient at all. And like. Steve Trevor, even though he's like he's in the shadow of Wonder Woman, you know he's neither of these iconic characters' love interests fall into a, a, a stereotypical trope in a classical sense. They don't feel like a number two; they feel like an equal. Yeah, yeah. Well, what really serves that is that Steve Trevor has his own arc. He's doing something actively before they meet. The reason they meet is because he's in, on his own mission, and they both end up having the same goals. Because they both want to end the war, uh, and so it's you know it's chance that they meet, but then they have this this similar goal, and I think that the ways in which they approach reaching that goal uh, are what make them both unique and interesting. I think it's just because they're both like good intentioned people, and that's right. like the message of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know the it's about deserve right. It's about what you believe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, I think that. With Steve Trevor, you had a character... First of all, you had an actor in Chris Pine who you can't underserve, right? And so it sort of forces the writers to find a way to make his character meaningful and not make him the traditional second fiddle that that character may have been were this a Superman movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so we, we had to get a good Steve Trevor out of this one, I think, uh, just as a result of that. What was really interesting to me was how... The creative team sort of had the characters mirror each other. Uh, the movie begins with Wonder Woman's sort of origin as a child and, and being rebellious. And she lies to her mother. You know, she lies to her mother and says, I'm not going to train. I'm not going to leave with this man. You know, when, when her and um, Steve Trevor are eventually going to go to the new world. Or to the new world. To the man's world. <laughs> to the man's world. Uh and, and try to fight this war, and they lie to get away, right? And then later on, they, they do get caught, but they lie. Later on, um, Steve Trevor does the exact same thing. He lies to his superiors, saying, I'm not going to try to stop this by myself. I'm not going to run away with this woman. And she confronts him about it, and he was like, I was lying. I lo- dude, I love that scene where like he's trying to like push her out and she's just yelling and he's just like he's like we're going we're going okay like <laughs> well yeah and she even puts the lasso on him well he does it right? no, he, yeah, yeah he, he puts reaches, it on himself yeah. right she's like oh, I don't know you're not lying and he's just like 
And he's like, we're like, yes, this is what we're doing. We're probably going to die. It's a terrible plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the action scenes, because I think that um, for me, that was also some of the best stuff in this film. And, and some of the worst. Successful. And yeah. some of the worst. Yeah. I mean, literally the only bad part of the movie is the final confrontation with Ares. There was some sketchy stuff like in the first beach scene, I think. Like, for, for that's me. fair. Yeah, Mascara, the, that part, there was a few parts that were a little... Like, janky in terms of, like, camera yeah. work with... I think they kind of rushed that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I honestly would have been so happy if they just didn't have that whole final confrontation and we got another, like, ten minutes on Themyscira. That would have been way sure. better. Speaking of Themyscira, the scene where they... And it kind of ties to the action, too. The flashback sequences where they kind of made it very Greek pottery-ish where it's like how Zeus banned Ares and you find the exposition. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, storybook yeah. thing. Yeah. Not that yeah, not not a pottery look, but more like a painting. Uh, yeah. 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 I love that, yeah. Uh we've, we've referenced the no man's land scene a number of times. Unquestionable high point of the movie in my mind. Yeah. 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 Actually every sequence around it too. Like yeah, well, the, the when she goes to the village before afterward. it. Yeah. And, yeah, right. Um, but even the the beats before that are are some of the best, and then there's the uh, assault in the village, and then the 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 scene with uh, with her and Steve. Pete lost his shit when she broke the church down. Oh my god, yeah, where, the, where that that moment where um, uh, Steve he's like, follow me, and when we get this, pick it up, and then he just goes shield, and it was just like uh, I was like, oh, like oh shit, oh my god, yeah, it was just so like. I don't know, man. It just had that bombast that I'm looking for, you know? Like, it was... Like, I feel like you don't... There's no moment like that in Man of Steel. Like, there's no, like... You know? There's, there isn't that, like... And I feel like BVS, like, tried to do it a little bit. And there was a couple moments that landed like that. But I don't know. It just... It did such a good job of, of being serious and heartfelt, but also letting us have some fucking fun with this character. And what, what it also didn't do in that scene was when she knocked it down, it wasn't destruction point. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, which, it wasn't which an is, explosion. Which is what, yeah, Man of Steel really suffered from. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just cool. It's just yeah. a great moment. Yeah. So we all, we all agree that No Man's Land scene was awesome. I think it... A lot of the feedback I've heard coming out of this is that that's probably the best sequence in sure, the film. Sure. Uh, I I want to talk about Ares and yeah. the, the 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 themes of this film. I am in the minority because I liked Ares. Uh, I first of all, I'm I'm a fan of Ares from the comics. I'm a fan of what that character uh, represents and what he is in Wonder Woman's world. Um, and so I was glad that he was chosen as the first villain for this. And the fact that it's World War One, it's just it makes so much sense that he would be the person sort of behind the scenes. And I saw a very uh kind of like God Satan allegory mm. regarding Zeus versus um Zeus versus Ares and the influence that Ares is said to have over people. And that, sure, yeah. and that he could bring them to the brink of ending the world and that that was sport for him you know uh i really liked that a lot and i thought that in the end when we do get this reveal of you know the whole thing is it's, it's built up to where you think it's gonna be the general and it's not the general the general the german army and it's not him and 
Wonder Woman has built herself up to thinking it's going to be him. And that once he's dead, everything will end because she's so convinced that he's the reason that this is all happening. And it turns out that it's not him. And, you know, we've we've all kind of talked about the twist and it didn't land for a lot of you guys. It landed for me because even though it's not a great twist, I like the fact that it's a guy you don't expect because oftentimes when this kind of thing happens in films where it's like, oh, Satan was influencing this character, it's always someone you don't expect. It's always someone borderline inconsequential. And that just hammers home for me the randomness of anyone can be evil. Anyone can be good or bad. And I think that that's what the movie was really kind of talking about in a lot of senses. Uh, so f- in that sense, for me, it did land. What didn't land was not necessarily the final battle. I think that's a requirement, and I think it could have been epic. Uh, what didn't land for me was the fact that it just wasn't good. Uh, Ares is a god. Wonder Woman is a god, and it didn't feel like two gods fighting. Ares barely even felt like competition for Wonder Woman, and he has fought Zeus and and nearly won. So that really just felt strange to me, and I didn't feel like they were properly represented there. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that interpretation. Um, I I think... I I disagree that I I don't think a final battle is necessary. I um, I think superhero movies have gotten super formulaic, and I think that's the worst part of the formula. I think every single superhero movie, even the ones I enjoy, the least interesting part is the big final confrontation. I think most of the time they fall flat. I think a lot of them are very samey and there's just it's just so tropey at this point that it's like I don't need it. And like I think we talked about Guardians 2 and I think that was a really big victory of Guardians 2 is that that didn't it didn't feel like this big bloated final conflict and I think that was what I liked about Doctor Strange. Um, that like Doctor Strange what instead of this big you know we had a way less mm. physical solution to a problem mm-hmm. you know and that the solution isn't to punch the bad guy in the face Aries I've come to bargain <laughs> I've come to water with you <laughs> I, I think I think that you 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 presented examples where you know you don't fight a planet right so it's it becomes the responsibility of James Gunn and the creative team to go ahead Kel to I, go ahead, go ahead. But that's what he did. Fight a planet. He fought the planet. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're you're right in the sense that he fought the physical manifestation of ego. I was talking about the focus, though. It's at the focus of like we talked about how there's like there's a comedy bit during that fight instead of watching them f- fly around and fight, you know. And like you said, like I don't need to see that. Like, sure, there's gonna be a big final conflict, but it doesn't need to be. An action sequence. Yeah, he's saying like like it subverts that that whole yes. idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think to your point, I do, I did pick these two specific examples. A because they worked for me, but B I think Wonder Woman had the potential of doing that because I think something that Marco and I were talking about off mic last night was I think the the film does a really good job of setting up. I think what is a perfect endpoint, which is that yeah. moment of she kills the the German general and. The war doesn't end and the people are still bad and Mm -hmm. there's that conversation she has with Steve where it's just like maybe that's just how it is like maybe people just aren't inherently good and that like I like I wish that there was just a big bad guy for us to go beat and everything would be okay but that's not how the world is and that's not how war is but then that's what it is and then that, that totally undercuts this very good subversive superhero or message that they've set up 
and it, I feel like it totally undercuts it. it. It kneecaps itself by then presenting us with a big bad guy for her to punch in the face and beat the problem. And yeah, I know that that's not really what ends the war. It's Steve Trevor's sacrifice and the support of these other guys. And But then that's taking away the resolution of the actual conflict from Wonder Woman in favor of a big superhero fight that I don't think was needed. Um, it's interesting you say that because... What, yeah, what if what if with what if Ares was just foreshadowed for a sequel? That's what I was hoping was happening. As you were saying that, I thought about how interesting it was that Ares dies after Steve does. And mm. like Wonder Woman does need that extra oomph to, you know, get through that battle, but sure. like Steve Steve dies, but so does the war. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of really good symbolism there. Um, but if you don't have Ares as a as a, a sort of final, you know, boss battle, if you will, how do you pay off what they set up with this character? I mean, personally, what I would have done is I I would have liked to have seen the conversation with Steve. She has her belt. She has that moment of refusal, you know, where she's like, "I'm done." And we, they don't deserve us, right? And then he's like, I gotta go. Like, I have to go do this. And I think you have him make that ultimate sacrifice. And then instead of, instead of having our, our little band of brothers uh, fighting in the background and kind of taking out the rest of what's left, have her have this final confrontation and wipe out all these sh- soldiers and take out this thing and have that moment of reflection of just like, you kind of played into War's hand there. And I think you could still have War in that scenario without it being this big final confrontation i think that would be a way more interesting ending the point that we that like we had talked about was just like keeping war as like symbolic keeping it or not symbolic but keeping aries symbolic um and not manifesting it into something physical because like you said it undercuts the the, the overall message and like that was saying something unique yeah you know and i i don't think that i don't think that this this final boss fight serves the film well and it, it was it it was proposing something like, like hopeful whereas like you we can be there are shitty people but you don't have to be one of those shitty people you can be the you, you don't have to be that person you can be the person or the, the group of people that make it the world better yeah like it's like the whole thing again of like it's not about whether they deserve you to be right the be a good person you should just be a good person movies 30 40 years ago didn't have epic boss battles at the end a lot of it has to do with technology right you can't really do that but that didn't make movies 30 40 years ago worse for wear you know um it, it, this movie say the climax was taking out the chemical warfare from this facility and see if trevor makes a sacrifice because he has to and that's like the lesson she learns is that this is like a sacrifice he made for peace and like peace comes at a sacrifice when you get to such a burning threshold of a point um because i remember there there was like a clear clash of ideals between her and steve trevor leading up to the final conflict when she Mm -hmm. finally comes around to it and i mean in his is a human perspective yeah and his death could have easily been this impetus for her her growth as a character because and ultimately that's what it would have represented yeah and i think the implication is kind of made there but i think it would have spoke louder if it wasn't being choked underneath this you know this um this fight so i think that this movie falls apart in terms of its messaging because everything that you guys are saying 
sounds nice, but that's not really what the movie's doing, right? So the implication is that from the beginning of the film, before we see any males, is that Ares is the reason why men become corrupted. He is sowing the seeds of corruption in men. And so we already get the impression that World War I is being caused by Ares. Wonder Woman feels that way. We in turn internalize her feelings and we feel that way as well. And so her belief is, what is that, Pete? I mean, that is her belief, but I don't think we necessarily internalize that because the other main character is Steve and he rejects that. He doesn't believe that, that, that that's the cause and he like kind of humors and ignores that she thinks that that's what's going to solve the problem until it's literally staring him in the face. They treat it like a faith thing where you have a character who has a religious belief like, oh, the devil is responsible for man's error. And you have a character who's, you know, secular who's saying, well, the devil isn't real. We are all accountable for our own actions. And that's what they were playing kind of leading up to the climate. Okay, so then maybe I should have said that I internalized it because okay, yeah. I think that it's very reasonable that someone would uh, just because uh, an alternate point of view is uh, put out there doesn't mean that that's not a message to be received. So the movie does want you to think about that. It's clear. Yeah, yeah, that's like a core... Yeah, yeah. exactly. So then, so, so it's, it's is it Aries or is it just the nature of man that this kind of thing happens. Uh, so then we get Ares and we know that he's real. So now we know that it must be the case that he is causing this and he has to die in order to stop this whole sort of problem, right? Now, when he does die, I don't think that the war the war ends. And as Pete mentioned, it, does, it also so happens to end coinciding with us seeing Steve commit his sacrifice and everything else. So we don't actually know for sure, for sure, that Ares' death is the immediate cause of the end of this war. So we don't ever really get that answer. So again, there's that muddled message. But when you incorporate what happens and how we know that she decides that she's done with the world of men and influencing it, uh, which we learn in Batman vs Superman, the message of you know men are good or men can be good and and humans can can live in peace is totally lost because she has rejected that concept for one hundred years. She doesn't actually believe that. And on top of that, if she truly valued the sacrifice of Steve Trevor and thought that Ares' death would actually be the end of war, she never would have made that choice. So I think that the movie does not answer, address, or even give the viewer anything to chew on by the end because the questions that you're left with are unsatisfying, not because they're left hanging in a way that's like, think about this after the fact. It's like, we just didn't finish our job. That's what I got out of it. Uh, I, I think there's something to that I, because... I don't even, I feel like it's just because it, it tries to have its cake and eat it too. It tries to tell you that Ares isn't the cause of the war. He whispered ideas in their ears, but he never made them use them. So it, it, they do straight up try to tell you that it's man, it's not Ares. 
But then why is Ares the final confrontation? It's weird. Why is the end of the war the death of Ares? You know, like, why does Steve Trevor die before Ares? Like, it, it is the tale of the movie tells you to feel one way and then does another thing. It's weird that he's like, oh, I don't do this. And, like, he's like, I have to murder you. Right, yeah. And then he gets murdered by having a Dragon Ball Z energy blast deflected back at him. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it, 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 it brings it goes back to that World War Two thing. Like if Ares dies, why do we have more war? Yeah, right. right. And hey, right, like maybe this is an unanswered question of like maybe she does leave World War One believing that in the sacrifice and all the shit, but then World War Two happens and then she decides that she's gonna stop influencing that's, the world event. That's way too much to have to like guess though. No, but I, that's that's the point I'm making, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like that's yeah. not you're not leaving us with an endpoint where there is one so clearly set up mm-hmm. and it just fumbles it at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I I don't know, man. I don't know if I don't know if them you you would have to take the entire Aries subplot out of the film in order in my opinion for it to be satisfying because if you if you just say well the war ended and it ended because of the sacrifice of these people. Well, then it's like, okay, cool. So why does she end up leaving the world of men, of men for 100 years? Why is there still well, war? What- I mean, like, I do feel like on some level, like, we have to judge this movie by this movie, not the movies that it's connected to. It because, totally like, sucks that that's the thing. I don't, think, I don't think you have to because those are realities that Patty Jenkins is responsible for addressing. Yeah, but, like... It- that's like not fair with a prequel because we don't know why because obviously like there I'm not saying obviously there's an explanation but I would assume there is an explanation if this is where this movie leads us and there is this gap of a hundred years she obviously experienced other things and I don't think it's fair to say oh we watched her first month in the world of men and that influenced the way she felt for the next hundred years of living here well you know like that's a that's another example of the movie not finishing its job because the movie is deliberately set in the future but is a flashback so we know or set in current time so they could have easily explained it but they don't and it gives you the impression that she's just reflecting on her past. So what's the next movie going to be? Mm-hmm. Another reflection on her past? She get another picture that just inspires a two-hour memory? Right. Like, it just... It just... It, you don't... You only get so many opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She works in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, hang on, guys. She works in the Louvre, and she's taking a two-hour break to stare at a picture. I, I don't you think... Done that? <laughs> I don't think it's wrong to assume that this is the answer because this is what we've been given this is what they chose to give us and it just doesn't feel at the end of the day for me right and that took away a lot of my enjoyment because i feel like there was an opportunity to make a truly inspiring film uh and that doesn't happen part of that is because of the connective tissue to batman superman but part of that is just because at the end of the day they did not finish doing their job batman versus superman Tries to ruin another movie. Like, <laughs> really, like, I'm, I'm not going to criticize Wonder Woman because Batman v Superman sucks and made poor use of Wonder Woman. You know, like I, that's like not a thing. Like I, I think that's like not a illegitimate complaint. But it's like I'm just trying to judge this movie based on this movie. Yeah, you know, like, I think that's all you can do because like the the movie is connected to are patently not good. And, like, obviously, like, the worst parts of it are, like... The things that try to connect to uh, worse movies. Yeah, you know, and I, 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 you're totally right, 
but that was that's not a problem for me because I don't really give a fuck about these other movies. And the three of us, uh, Kale, Marco, and I, we didn't even see it. Why would you? <laughs> so uh, unless anyone has any final points they want to bring up, I think this is a perfect time to close out. Anyone? Final thoughts here. Sean, you and I were talking on our way to the convention this morning about Ares as a role in society. And when you were describing him as being kind of like um, a, a, a Lucifer-type character, it, it beckoned to an episode of The Twilight Zone called The Howling Man, where Ooh. where a, a Christian monk in, in Europe locks up the devil behind the Staff of Truth during the First World War, or between the First and Second World War, and a secular man shows up and doesn't believe he's the devil when he sees him, which is kind of like the English guy who is Ares in this movie. Because when you look at that English guy, you don't think it's Ares because he doesn't look like Ares. He's got the goofy mustache. He um, helps them. And he helps them. He's talking about the armistice. He had that mustache the whole time. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that stupid mustache was under that stupid helmet. Even in the past, yeah, when yeah. they show Ares in the past. Yeah. In the pit, when he, he's just shirtless with his fucking goofy mustache. <laughs> just to really drum home the fact that So it's don't goofy you tell guy. me. But... This guy um, commits to his facial hair. But uh, the man lets Satan go because he does not believe he's Satan, which pro- provokes the Second World War. And so using Ares as kind of this Lucifer allegory made me think of that episode of The Twilight Zone. Th- that was the thought I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And now I'm inspired to go see that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we could talk about this forever. We, you know... We could talk about uh, supporting characters, Dr. Poison, Etta Candy. Uh, a lot of those characters deserve praise. And, you know, all that's great. And um, we we just really have other things we need to get to. I think we've had a full conversation about the Wonder Woman film. We're very tired. Uh, yeah, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. And definitely do let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Um, it's been overall positive. I think most people enjoy it. Uh, even though I was the most critical on this episode, I did enjoy the movie. I do think it's a solid film, and I'm anticipating a sequel. Um, and so, yeah, just let us know what you think. You can hit us up on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Comics Pals. You can let us know your thoughts about this film. Uh, let us know your thoughts about the stuff that we've put out um, on our social media from Philly. We'd love to hear some feedback on that stuff. Yeah, make sure um, you check out our interviews. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely check out our interviews. Uh, leave us a like rating, a, or excuse me, a star rating and a comment on iTunes. We appreciate those sweet five-star ratings. They're valuable. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And on YouTube, you can like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Those subscribes are really appreciated. Uh, all the YouTube interaction is very much appreciated. Those subscribes help us out a ton. We are trying to get to 100 subscribers, so help us out with that if you are a regular listener of the show. And again, do check out those videos that we are posting. They'll be going up all week. It's good quality content. Stay tuned for that. So some plugs, Pete. Cool. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on episode 32 of the Comics Pals. If you guys want to check out some more work from me, uh, please tune in. Oh, no, wait. Actually, we're not going to be on this episode tomorrow, but tune in tomorrow anyway for uh, you know this episode of the Video Game Pals. It should be a good time. Andy and Thompson are going to be holding down the fort alone, so that should be interesting. 
Um, and then if yeah, if you want some more from me, go check out my writing over on CBR.com. Uh, I just put out a list this week about 15 times that Wonder Woman has killed. Um, so if you're in a Wonder Woman kind of mood like we are, you can go check it out and uh, help me pay the rent. And um, then if you want to, you know, connect with me on social media, you want to talk to me about Wonder Woman, um, you know, ask about Wizard World, any of that kind of stuff, you can hit me up at loud underscore Pete on both Instagram and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Kale. Uh, you can find my comics on uh, selfie.com slash panels publishing. I'm also on Comixology somewhere. <laughs> probably type in panels and you'll find it. Maybe search Kale Ward. That help probably. Uh, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, Phil? You can find me at Cyborg Bebop on all the social media platforms. If you message me. Maybe I'll respond. <laughs> that said, watch the Rob Liefeld video. Maybe I'll respond to you if you comment on it, but watch it anyway. Marco? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at woeismarco and on Twitter at woeismarco underscore. Uh, oh, I did two interviews with uh, Kathleen Kralowek and Ben Khan. Go check that out. Awesome. And I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. You can reach out to me to talk about Wonder Woman. I'm going to get a lot of hate for the, some of the stuff I've said, and I embrace the hate <laughs> like Aries. And like friend of the show, Dirk Manning, whose interview with Sean you can watch right now. There you go. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Comics Pals. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Wonder Woman. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it again. You can't make me. Embrace the hate, Sean. I'm so tired. <laughs>